up, everybody? Welcome to Powerful Stuff. You guys, it is a rainy Sunday here in Venice Beach. I am cocooning. It is two weeks from Valentine's Day, so I put on my pink shirt to start to embody that self-love energy for you as we, and for me, you know, um, as we talk today about becoming what you want to attract. So whether this is that next version of you, you're ready to call in so you can attract that dream partnership, whether you're already in a partnership and you want to make that partnership even more powerful, or whether you're ready to attract that dream community, that, that dream you know group of friends who inspire you, or that dream job, this episode is for you. And we're all just going to go on this journey together. I'm going to, of course, paint the arc of how we can become what we're ready to attract, which involves looking at who we already are right now, what patterns and habits are aligning with our highest self that get us that thing we want to attract and the blind spots of where we're self-sabotaging because maybe there's part of us that doesn't think we're enough and we're pushing away potential options or intimacy or just not seeing or taking advantage of the options in front of us because we need to clear out some limiting beliefs first. Once we do that, guys, it is all smooth sailing from there because then we're going to get super clear on how we want to feel with that dream partner, that dream community, that dream job, and we are going to reverse engineer it to take aligned action right now. And me as your tour guide today, I will be telling you all about how I became what I was ready to attract. I'm going to use the example of romantic love today because it because it is very palpable um, and tangible for the action steps that I took to become the Meredith I wanted to be to attract the unconditional love that I have now with my partner, Spencer. And I'll also throw in a few like little community examples along the way. And then, of course, as always, we will close it off with a meditation on becoming what you're ready to attract and some reflection questions. And I will send you on your way so you have two weeks to kind of integrate this and think about this leading up to Valentine's Day. I'll even give you like a little self-love ceremony you can do around Valentine's Day and some fun other love things that aren't the traditional, you know, chocolates, uh, go to dinner with your beloved, uh, all of that. Like then, you know, these other ways you can pour love into yourself and others outside of the Hallmark Valentine's version, which is also great. Nothing wrong with it. But here we're just offering some different alternatives. So buckle up, everyone. Put on your manifestation goggles. Get ready to become what you're ready to attract. Okay, so I had this idea because we're actually hosting this experience for more of that, um, my experience company, next Monday called Becoming What You're What You're Ready to Attract. And I want to give you the same tools that I went through when I was attracting my husband, Spencer. So the first step is being really clear and honest with the patterns and the things that you say you want to avoid, but you keep doing. And I'm going to just dive right into my example, guys. So for all of my 20s, I was dating emotionally unavailable men. Okay, there, I said it. <laughs> um, and, you know, my mom always joked, like, because I did definitely have a um, hankering for tall foreign men, um, <laughs> in my, in my twenties. Um, and yeah, once sophomore year of 
college when she was going back with me or no, it was like for senior year of college when she was uh, coming with me back um, to my dorm room she pointed at the boys rowing house and she's like, can you not date any, <laughs> anyone from there and save me the 2am phone calls, Meredith? Um, but yeah, I had a good, good run with rower, uh, rower boyfriends back in the day. But anyways, uh, the whole point is that I was dating guys because like part of me was like, wow, like this guy is so attractive on paper. He's so charming. He's so this, he's so that. But what was missing was me asking myself, how do I want to feel in this relationship? How is Meredith feeling? How is Meredith being treated? How is Meredith speaking up for her needs? And usually the answer was not at all. And so this didn't just, you know, happen in college. This stayed with me like up until my 30th birthday, really. I would date an emotionally unavailable guy. Um, and when I say emotionally unavailable, I mean like inconsistent, maybe he wasn't ready for a relationship, maybe he kind of showed me who he was with his actions, but I thought I could change him, or maybe he told me he wasn't looking for something, and I was like, I'm going to make him fall in love with me, and then um, we'll live happily ever after, or as Taylor Swift would say, I can make the bad guys good for a weekend. Um, so yeah, I would usually go on a date with a guy, uh, it would be like super heavy infatuation for a few weeks. I would usually lay all my cards out on the table because I was trying to get him to like me. So like saying all the cool things that I've done in my past and stuff, instead of checking in in the present moment of like, how is Meredith feeling? Like, what does Meredith want? Or how can I co-create this experience with this guy versus trying to prove to him that I'm so amazing? you know, and that's usually obviously stemming from an insecurity that I had in myself that like I wasn't enough just as I am, maybe because I was insecure about where I was in my life or that, you know, I needed my achievements to speak for me as well. So <clears throat> around the time of my 30th birthday, um, there was like a situationship or two with a guy that, yeah, I knew kept playing cat and mouse with me. And it was like, if I just craft the perfect text message back. Like if I just have that one witty banter, then like he'll respond and he'll be in love with me. And you know, of course that never happened. And every time I was around him, it was like an adrenaline rush, like sugar, but then like ex extreme anxiety, right? Have you ever had like sugar or like a lot of coffee where it's like, you feel so amazing for like the first hour. And then afterward you're like anxious. And then afterward you're like, why did I do this? That was me in my dating life and TBT. And so the year of my 30th birthday, I was like, this has got to end. I keep playing the victim. And the worst part is when those relationships would end. Well, firstly, backtracking before they would end, I would spend hours on the phone. I analyzing it with my friends. What do you think? Do you think he's into me? Like, oh, well, maybe he just did this. Like excusing the guy, spending so much of my time, like, uh, thinking about it, uh, talking about it instead of like doing things that made me feel connected to myself. Um, and I would end up feeling drained. And then, yeah, what would happen is that we would have that period of infatuation, then that period of like brief encounters with like banter texts in between. And then because I was feeling insecure, I would not voice when I was starting to feel like something's off here 
and I would like let it go for a few weeks. We'd have a few brief encounters or text exchanges. And then, um, and then all of a sudden like a dam would break and I would snap and I would be like, what are we, you know, what is this? Either this or like, I'm done, you know, like a full ultimatum, which of course would overwhelm the guy and give him no option either. Cause it's either like you're fully in or you're out, you know, like an ultimatums scare people. And looking back, I see that was little Meredith's way of trying to control the situation, you know, because the, there was fear and the unpredictability of like, let's just wait and see, or how do I feel? Or like, if you do this, then I'm going to adjust my boundary this way. And so the guy would fully pull away. I would fully delete him and block him. And that would be the cycle. So yeah, around the time of my 30th birthday, I'm like, this has to end. It is time. Um, and I wrote the song called 30 and I was like, help me enter into 30. Um, like, thought I'd already have such clarity, you know, the whole idea being like, let me know that I deserve the love and the life that I want to lead. And at that time, it's like, I felt that I deserved the love and life that I wanted to lead when I was with my friends. But why did I keep putting myself in situations with guys where I felt less than, where I felt anxious, where I felt not in my power? And so around that time, I did three things that deeply, deeply, deeply impacted me and helped me break out of negative cycles, which was I read Carolyn Elliott's book, Existential Kink, for all of you powerful stuffers. Uh, you've probably heard me mention her before. And Existential Kink is a really playful and innovative look at our shadow work. How are we becoming and allowing the things that we say we don't want to happen? How are we... Um, perpetuating cycles where we then get to be the victim of saying, oh, why me? Why does this always happen? And in the dating example, I'd be like, oh, like this guy did that again. Gosh, he's such a dick. I can't believe he did that, right? I was always the victim. But Carolyn Elliott's book flipped that on its head and said, how am I allowing this? What part of me is allowing this? If I'm an active participant in this, because I could easily walk away or I could easily be like, hey, um, just checking in. This doesn't make me feel super good. Like what's going on for you? I never did that. Right. I would swallow it until there was a big blowout and ultimatum and disappearance, uh, from both ends. And so Carolyn Elliott's book, I started to look at, okay, where am I allowing these situations? Um, and, and her book has like a playful spin on it. She's like, what part of you actually likes it? Like if, you, if you're looking at your shadow side and I like to think of our shadow side as like our scared inner child who's just acting out, trying to be a little saucy to get our attention, where's our shadow side actually like perpetuating it? And so she has this existential kink meditation where she like wants you to fully own that shadow side that you say you hate because when we keep trying to avoid it or suppress it or shame it, it keeps coming back to try to get our attention. Kind of like the scared inner child being like, pay attention to me. And so I would, I did this meditation. And I'm like, I just love giving my power away to emotionally unavailable men who don't even know that they have it. I just love it. I love pretending that I'm powerless. I love giving all my creative energy to that so I don't have to focus on my big creative swings like with my music or my screenwriting or my thought leadership. I just love giving my power away to these guys. And I let myself in that meditation just 
transform and alchemize that anxiety and that shame into a superpower, into radical ownership. And the whole idea is if we can radically own what situation we're in, then we can radically create where we go next. And so I was doing these meditations and I also, she also has like a deepest fear inventory where you basically list out all your deepest fears. Like I fear that I'm unlovable. I fear that I'll end up alone. I fear that I won't have the family that I always wanted. I fear that this guy thinks I'm annoying. I fear whatever, you know, um, listing out all your fears and just letting yourself feel it fully. So I feel like that helped me kind of like firstly like own and become super aware of like my dating patterns of the things that I would do that, um, that I was not taking ownership over, you know, like allowing myself to be in those situations, like trying to do over, over, um, provide for the guys to prove that I am enough. And so that leads me to the second thing I did that year. So the second thing I did that year was I went to the Hoffman process and the Hoffman process is a one week retreat. They have them all over the world. I went to one in the Bay area, um, up in Petaluma where you turn in your phone and you look at all of your patterns from your childhood up until your adult life and where you got those patterns and how they're still showing up and what negative beliefs about yourself that those patterns <clears throat> are enforcing. And my pattern that I was enforcing was the belief that I was not enough. I always joke that like it all comes down to knowing we're enough guys that would solve so many things in this world. Um, but yeah, so I, I wrote out this negative feedback loop of like, if I believe I'm not enough and then a trigger is, let's say like a guy I'm seeing doesn't text me, then I go into a story of like, oh, I need to overprove to him that I actually am worth it. Um, right. Proving to him needing his validation. Uh, then he freaks out or, and doesn't value me because I'm like still putting myself out there for him in such a big way when he's not valuing me and I'm not valuing me, he pulls away, then I get upset. Um, then we have an ultimatum. He disappears. And then that reinforces, I am not enough. And when I mapped this cycle out, I was like, mind blown, you know, because I saw that this filter that I was having over my life, um, was actually, perpetuating the cycle that I wanted to get out of. And so then I looked at what the positive feedback loop would be. So I replaced that I am not enough with what if I did know that I was enough? What if I was operating from a place of worthiness? So then I'm like, okay, if I know I'm enough, the trigger stays the same, right? He, a guy I'm seeing doesn't text me back. If I know I'm enough, I might respond with curiosity. I might be like, Hey, um, I noticed that like you haven't been that consistent. What's going on? And, and maybe I would hear an answer that I didn't want to hear, but then it would be the honest truth. And I could decide what I was going to do with that. Will I adjust my boundaries accordingly or will I take a step back or will I ask a follow-up question of like, is this something that you're still interested in? Or I'll assess like, does this make, does this still make me feel good? Right. But every step of the way I'm in the driver's seat and so then in that scenario, even if the guy says, like, I can't do this anymore, um, then I know sooner than I say, like, 
okay, I'm glad I know now. Then I reinvest in myself with things that make me feel good, um, re- thus reinforcing I am enough. And then it could also pan out the other way where, uh, you know, maybe I ask him, what, h- how do you feel about this? Um, and he's like, I'm not sure. This is what I'm willing to commit. Are you willing to do that? And I might say yes, or I might say no. And maybe if I say yes, then I can adjust my boundaries accordingly. So I feel valued as we continue to proceed in this gray area, still reinforcing I am enough because every step of the way I'm checking in with Meredith. So going to Hoffman really helped me see like the patterns that I was perpetuating that were reinforcing the belief of I am not enough. And it also showed me, it helped me stretch my awareness so I could see, okay, I'm noticing that I'm doing a pattern that would usually result in I am not enough. What is my new choice? What is my new choice that allows me to make a shift that allows me to do something that feels aligned with like, you know, protecting Meredith's highest self and Meredith's wants and Meredith's needs, thus reinforcing I am enough. Powerful stuff, guys. I hope I didn't lose you on that. But basically, I'll show you, I'll give you an example. So I went to Hoffman and I did that. And then there was this, yeah, this guy that I was playing cat and mouse with and the old Meredith would have swallowed it and hoped that, you know, one day after crafting the perfect text, he would have said he loved me. But, you know, instead I asked him like, hey, um, I know we've kind of had this energy. What's going on? Um, Are you wanting to just be friends or is this something you want to explore? And he's like, I actually just want to be friends. And it's like, ooh, that hurt so much in the moment for my ego, you know. But I was so grateful for that honesty. And it allowed me to be like, okay. Thank you for sharing that with me. So now I am empowered to go reinvest my energy elsewhere. And that was the first step of breaking that cycle. And I felt so like, of course, in that moment, it stung and it was a little awkward. But the next day I woke up with so much energy, feeling so empowered that I had clarity and that I was no longer pining away for somebody or something that wasn't a fuck yes for me. And I started to view dating like my inner child was my daughter, like I was a single mom and my inner child was my daughter, and that every guy I dated, regardless of adult Meredith liked him, did he make little Meredith feel seen and heard and protected? And was I still prioritizing little Meredith as in like, you know, even as I was dating the guy, not neglecting her or throwing her needs out the window, but checking in every step of the way and being like, hey, sweetie, like... Do you like this guy? How are you feeling? Let's still do something you and me together, right? And having little Meredith trust that I wouldn't go after a guy or put myself in a situation where she didn't feel safe and where she didn't like him. And so that shift after that that guy, after doing Hoffman, after reading Existential Kink, really like helped me build a clean slate from ground zero of, okay, I've started eradicating these patterns. Now I'm ready to call in the one. Like, let's fucking go. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, I was just like feeling energized. It was like icky and, you know, confronting at first to look at all the situations where I'm now look back and lovingly cringe at like, wow, I was really like 
throwing myself at that guy or I can't believe I stayed in that situation for that long. Um, and now I look back and I'm like, oh, poor Meredith. She just needed to be reminded that she was enough and that her needs matter and that when she loves herself, like that is fucking magnetic and no one can take that away. And the right guy is going to love that. And so after I did Existential Kink and Hoffman and had that conversation, I, um, I got the book Calling in the One, Seven Weeks to Calling in the One. I cannot recommend this book enough. I've given it to so many clients that are single. It's not even funny. I've given it to so many friends. Um, and I read it twice the year I met my husband. And Calling in the One is really kind of what we're doing today of like, who are you ready to attract? So I read that book after kind of breaking these patterns and asked myself like, who, what is that dream partnership? How do I want to feel in that dream partnership? And I actually wrote it out, um, like as a, what, what is called an ideal scene. So it has like, we are in the middle, like a sun, and then it has rays shooting out from it. And on each ray, I would write, a different thing that we are doing, me and my future partner. Like we are laying in bed so enamored with each other. We are in love with each other's friends. We are always planning adventures together. We are constantly laughing together. We are constantly introducing each other to new experiences. We are holding each other at our best even when we feel at our worst. We are making the other feel powerful even on days where they're not feeling it themselves. And I would read this list to myself every night before I would go to bed, just reminding myself to be that for myself. So then that step two is I looked at that list and I, I circled the places where I wasn't doing that for myself. So it's like, if I want my partner to do that for me, how can I start showing up and doing that for myself right now? Cause it's not like my partner is going to come in and be the magic bullet. Like how can I start making space and showing up as that person right now for myself? So I meet my partner as a whole and complete person not someone who's waiting for them to help me fix these things on my list. So one of them was we are so in, like yeah, present with each other in bed, saying sweet nothings, deepening our connection to each other. And then I thought to myself, wow, I spend so much time on my phone before bed. I literally look at my phone before I go to sleep. Is that Meredith connecting with Meredith? No, that's Meredith being bombarded through escapism with all of these like things about other people's lives where I'm like, should I be doing that? Am I enough? Like the farthest thing from connection. So in the spirit of becoming what I'm ready to attract, I um, moved my phone outside of my bedroom. I moved my phone outside of my bedroom and I um, got an alarm clock. I got a little Alexa, an Echo Dot, not sponsoring today's podcast, but Echo Dot, Alexa, if you're hearing this, I love you. Um, and yeah, I would end my night by meditating, reflecting on my day, acknowledging to myself what I'm proud of in myself for that day, how I've grown. Um, and then I would do the same thing in the morning. Like, how do I want to feel today? Meredith, what do you need today? Checking in. So that was a way of like creating space for myself, um, just in the way I would want a partner to be that present with me in the morning. One of the other examples from becoming the person I was ready to attract is um, when I, yeah, said like, I want us to be constantly planning adventures together. And so I was like, why don't I plan an adventure for me and my friends? So I got my friends to do um, 
the Trans Tahoe Relay with me, where we had a six-person boat and we did a 11-mile relay race across Lake Tahoe. So I was like, let me self-organize and be doing the things that I would want to be doing with my SIGO, my significant other. <laughs> As other I've just, I don't know where that term originated from, my significant other anyways. And so I really started to feel this sense of peace, of like, I know he's out there. I know it's coming. And I kept telling myself, like, I was 31 at the time. Yeah. Oh, 30. 31. 30. No, I was 30. I was literally 30. Okay. Um, yeah. I was 30 at the time, and I kept telling myself, omniscient Meredith, like, all-knowing Meredith, who's, like, you know, looking back when she's 40, and she's going to be like, Meredith, enjoy this time now because you're about to meet your soulmate. And then you're going to have your rest of your life with him. So this is your like last hurrah with yourself, like before him. Of course, you'll still be connected to yourself once you meet him. But you know what I mean? Like your last hurrah with yourself in this chapter. So savor it. And so I felt like such a wave of peace over me. Like I was going on dates, but I wasn't seeking. I'm like, I know my guy is out there. So if not this, something better. If not this, something better. And my energy in dates shifted too. It shifted from I need to impress this guy if I'm really attracted to him to like, how does he make me feel? How does it feel to be co-creating this night with him? Um, how do we feel in each other's energy? Like checking in with myself after, seeing if like the guy, you know, was consistent in a way that made me feel safe. Um, and if not, like, that's okay. I'm not going to force it. I don't need to sit here and ask him to choose me. Like I, I choose me. And so that six months was everything. Like I had so much fun with my friends. I also like started becoming the community I wanted to attract. I co-founded, um, more of that, which really like took off that year where we were leading, uh, deep house, blacklight yoga and breath work and sound baths on rooftops and anti-networking networking nights. Like I was creating experiences that I wanted to be invited to, to meet cool people and inspired people. And I just made my intention, like I want to connect deeper to myself and I want to connect deeper to others in the process. And so that was like the six months of really like trusting, building up self-trust with myself. of Like what does Meredith want and acting on it and, building trust with little Meredith that like when my intuition speaks, I listen. When my intuition speaks, I listen. And yeah, I just look back at that time like, wow, Meredith, you were putting in the work and you were thriving. Like you were doing the things that you loved and you were learning for the first time in your romantic life to romanticize and prioritize you, you know? And I would like give myself massages. I would look at myself in the mirror and tell myself how beautiful I was. And when I started giving that to myself, again, that grip of like needing to find it from others lessened and lessened. And I started to replace that belief of I am not enough. So I need to seek from outside people to like, I am enough. And, and also like I, you know, on dates, I would, um, in the past, like, offer so much to the guy, like I was saying, either about my achievements or I'd be like, let me pull your tarot card to give you a pigeon adjustment. Oh my gosh, I was doing the most. And 
started to just be more discerning and protective of my energy. And like those special things like teaching a guy yoga or giving him a tarot reading were special things that came from my heart that were earned instead of just like freely given in hopes of getting something in return. And so, wow, it's so cathartic to reflect on all of this. Um, And so six months into that is when I met my partner, Spencer. And I'll give you guys a little overview of that part as well because it was a test. Um, And then we'll go into the meditation. But Spencer and I did a full episode on our relationship and how we met a few episodes back if you want to go listen to that for our full story together. But um, yeah, what I'll say... Oh yeah, one other thing I want to say before I say how we met is... um, This other manifestation coach, Lacey Phillips, who has the program to be magnetic, refers to this time when you're becoming who you're ready to attract or when you're manifesting something. She calls the time between when you're doing it and when it actually happens as the magic dark. And what she means by this is sometimes we'll start taking those actions to show up as our highest self. Excuse me. And, um, and we'll be tested and we might meet somebody who was the exact type of person we would date on paper a year ago or even three months ago. And we might be tempted to be like, oh, but this, but he has this little red flag, but he has all these white flags. Oh, but I won't bring it up because I don't want to rock the boat. And that's an example of the magic dark of like continuing to double down on your own beliefs. Or maybe you like haven't gone on a date in, um, in many months and you're like, this sucks. I feel alone. Like I, um, yeah, I, I was doing all this manifestation work. I went to the Hoffman process. I read existential kink. I read calling in the one and I haven't met a good guy. Like this must not be working. Um, that's actually like also the magic dark. And it's like, whether it's going on a shitty date, going on a date with a guy with red flags or whoever and, um, and, or not getting any dates of any type of person that you're feeling called to or ready to date. Um, it's when you double down on and say like, I know I believe in my worth and I am not going to settle. I'm not going to settle and I'm not going to just say yes to this, or I'm not going to like, um, you know, go back to my old ways because I guess I really don't deserve that love. It's like in those moments where we are like, "Mm, fuck, like this isn't working fast enough that's when you double down. And that's when you're like, I'm still showing up for my inner child. I'm still showing up for myself. I don't care how long it takes. We're still putting one foot in front of the other. So I just want to say that for the magic dark, um, because when we are becoming what we're ready to attract, inevitably there might be a time where you're like, um, wow, I've done all this work on myself and there's no one out there and I feel hopeless. And that is actually the most magical time to continue to show up for yourself because you're actually sending a message to your subconscious like, no, you are worth it. I'm not going anywhere and we're going to push through this. And it's like mile 22 of the 26-mile marathon, right? When you hit the wall and you double down and you find that strength in yourself that you didn't know existed and you're like, how can I love myself through this challenging time? How can I love myself when I don't feel my sexiest? How can I love myself when... I made a mistake. How can I love myself um, when like, I feel like all my friends are dating or are in this 
situation that I want to be in, but I'm not. How can I love myself even through all of that and still show my inner child that they are worthy of love? Um, and that is when we get through the magic dark. That is when we have the breakthrough. And that is when so much self-trust is earned on the other side. And chances are that is when your manifestation is just around the corner. And so with that, six months into this work, I had just folded my beverage company in, in the journey of self-love. I was like, this is not my truth. I am meant to help people amplify their purpose, own their story, connect. I am not meant to be a, a CPG founder. I deeply respect CPG founders, but it's not my zone of genius. And I was holding on to that title of founder because I was afraid of letting it go. I was afraid of letting down my investors. But finally, through all of this self-love work, it just became unavoidable. Like my body was literally telling me no, like I lost my voice. Anyways, so I listened to it and I was like, okay, this is also a sign of self-love of like, I want to feel energized and inspired each day, not just with my partner, but also with my work. So I shut the beverage company down and decided to go all in on my coaching business. Um, even though there were voices in the back of my head that were like, are your friends really going to want to work with you? Or like, or are they going to really refer you because you're a failed startup founder? Like I went to Harvard undergrad. I'm like, what were your, what will all your Harvard friends think who are like, you know, crushing it in their business or respective field? Um, but I did it anyways. And I said, I have to do this for me. What I think about myself and how I'm spending my time has to be my priority versus what other people might be thinking about me. So I shut down my beverage business. This is a tangent, but it's coming back to becoming what you're ready to attract because everything is interconnected as we know. And I shut it down. And, um, ironically enough with that, the very people that I thought would judge me for going into coaching after having a failed startup were some of my first clients who were like, wow, I really like love how you honor your truth and follow your passion and follow your path. And I want to be able to do that for myself. And so, I would love to be coached by you. So it's just also a funny thing of like when you trust yourself and you let something go, sometimes your shame becomes your superpower because when you're, when you're living in alignment and true to yourself, like other people sense that and that is magnetic. Okay, so that was happening that same week. I downloaded Hinge. And I'll keep this part brief because, like I said, I did a full episode on this part with my husband, Spencer. But I downloaded Hinge, and I saw this beautiful, tall Canadian man on Hinge. And we both bonded about doing Iron Man's and Whistler. And, you know, we were going to meet up on a date. I was so excited. And he's like, maybe you can show me around Venice. And I was like oh, did you just move here? And he's like, no, I'm just passing through. I'm just motorcycling here from uh, Canada to Ushuaia, Argentina. I'm just passing through LA. And my initial instinct was like, oh my gosh, this guy is probably such a womanizer. He's setting his hinge profile to each city that he's in. No, I am not going on a date with him. But then this other voice appeared in my head that was like, hey, he doesn't have to be your future husband. Maybe this is a great opportunity to go on a date, to not think about where it's going to go next because you're never going to see this guy again. 
maybe it is a great way to practice releasing expectation, releasing expectation of where it's going to go or overthinking it. Cause like I would go on dates in the past and be like, is this guy husband material? Yes or no. And then kind of like proceed accordingly. So it kind of forced me into that gray area, right? Of, um, no control. Um, which is a good thing. Actually, the gray area is where the magic happens. So I said, okay, fuck it. Let's go on the date. And yeah, that I'm so glad I said yes, because (laughs) obviously we ended up falling in love and getting married, but also that first month or two when it was uncertain and we were taking it day by day, I also had to put my past skills to the test of, um, like owning my voice, like in times with past guys where I would have remained silent, um, and not said something if something bothered me. I worked on breaking that feedback loop of I am not enough, so I shouldn't speak up because what if I rock the boat and then he'll leave. Instead, because I was in my worthiness and I was valuing myself, I was like, hey, this thing happened. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on it. Then I would wait for his response and then I would be like, okay, like that doesn't really work for me. So if you're going to do that, like I'll adjust my boundaries accordingly. And I had to be okay with like, you know, some of those conversations potentially going like him saying like, yeah, this doesn't work for me. I actually do want, I actually do want to be single this whole trip. Um, so that was also a test for myself of like owning my voice. And I think also in hindsight, it made Spencer respect me more because I was respecting me more. And in times where I would have been like, oh, well, he's passing through to Argentina and we're falling in love. And like, he thought he was going to be single on this trip. So maybe I'll just play it cool. You know, I, that no longer worked for me. And because I was owning my value, but I wasn't doing it from a place of being scared. I was like, Hey, I'm not asking you to sit here and choose me. You can go carry on on your trip. Um, and if you want to continue chatting with me, this is what I need to feel safe. And each step of the way, it was a discussion. It was a period of not knowing. And it was a period of both of us stepping up and rising to the occasion and breaking both of our old patterns. And it is so funny because in those first few months of following, of falling in love, um, of falling in love, um, I gained so much respect for myself for speaking up at times where I usually would have remained silent And speaking up from a place of curiosity and allowance, allowance of his answer, allowance of it to be an answer that I didn't want, an allowance of me to sit with it and decide how I wanted to proceed. And each time we had discussions like that, my um, decision-making framework was, um, does Meredith feel safe? Because safety equals freedom. When we feel safe, in a situation, we can feel free to be ourselves. And so I worked hard to create that container for myself and thus invite a partner in that container. And what is so crazy is that ideal scene that I had um, written out six months before I met Spencer, a few months into dating, I found that old ideal scene in my notebook. And our relationship was everything on that ideal scene and more. It was like, we're waking up connected in bed. We're planning adventures together. We love each other's friends. Like, it was 
crazy, like every single line on that because my subconscious had gotten so used to that and being like, this is the standard. This is what we're seeking. This is what we're creating. And that is really, my friends, how, (laughs) long story short, TLDR, guys, uh, too long, don't read, um, if you're just tuning in now, that is how I became what I was ready to attract. Um, And I still do this same formula for myself when I am ready to become the next version of myself. Like I'm stepping into more public speaking now. I'm stepping into, you know, how I want this podcast to be up-leveled. How is that next version of Meredith showing up? How can she show up right now? If those are the kind of opportunities I want or the kind of stages I want to be speaking on, how can I start to live in alignment with that right now? And how can current Meredith know that she's deserving of that by the choices she makes for herself? So um, we're going to just tie it all back, guys. We're going to reel it in, rewind, get our meditation in, and become what we're ready to attract. I can't wait. I'm so excited for you because you deserve to be who you're ready to call in or what you're ready to call in. And everyone deserves to know that they're worthy and enough and lovable And it's only when we don't believe it that we start self-sabotaging or acting out in certain ways or saying we want something, but then putting ourselves in situations that reinforce a negative belief about ourselves. So to sum that all up, the first step is, you know, checking in with your vision of what do I want to attract? And then looking at where you are in present day, right? What situations enforce that vision in a positive way and what situations are sabotaging that vision? And the situations that are sabotaging that vision, um, how am I complicit in those situations? What am I allowing or what am I doing to keep perpetuating those situations? And then usually it comes down to where do I need to give my inner child that knowing that they're lovable, that they're enough. And maybe that comes with um, having like a cord cutting ceremony around an ex-lover or a situation where you really felt like you weren't valuing yourself. Um, Maybe it comes with like writing a letter of forgiveness to yourself for that past situation and what you're taking with you from that breakup and what you've learned from it and how you've grown from it. And then, yeah, with that shadow side work too, giving permission to your shadow side for what they've already done. Okay, you are complicit in these situations. I see you. What's going on? Why are you doing it? What do you need from me to feel loved, to feel whole, to feel enough? And... Then from there, making your ideal scene. Okay, what is that true next thing that I want to attract? How do I want to feel? Then reverse engineering that to the little steps that you can take to start to make space, to start to act in alignment with that ideal scene of that ideal partnership or that ideal community or that ideal job. Like what are things that you can start to do right now, now that you've cleared out the situations that you were doing to sabotage 
And how can you continue to build self-trust and trust even in the magic dark, even in the times where it feels like, um, you know, it's not going to materialize? How can you trust? How can you believe before you see? This is actually another line from another song of mine, Alchemy. I believe before I see. I believe in alchemy. How can you believe before you see it? How can you believe and then act in alignment with that belief to create what you want to see? And that my friends, it's how we become what we're ready to attract. So we'll do a little meditation and, um, and then I'll send you guys on your way to start becoming who you're ready to attract. And the one last thing I'll say before the meditation is I once wrote this song called Calling in You. I know it's another song. Okay. My, my other song you guys should check out on Spotify called Calling in You. And I wrote it about running into my celebrity crush, Vance Joy at Air One. Vance Joy sings Riptide. Um, like, lady coming down to the Riptide. Anyways, he's my celebrity crush. He was before I met Spencer. And after I met him at Air One, I was like, wow, this is fate. And I was in Joshua Tree a few weeks later looking at the stars, wondering if Vance Joy was looking at the same stars. And I wrote this song and it's like, I'm calling in you, are you calling in me? If you only knew how good life could be, you'll see you and me. And the whole point of this song, it's like an incantation, a spell of like, I know I am so enough. I know my life is great. And I know you're out there somewhere. And you're going to see one day when we meet, like how good this life can be together. And it was a, a peaceful song of just like, I know you're out there and one day we'll know it together. And I joke because that song ended up becoming my lullaby. Um, well, that's not the joke. Okay. That song became my lullaby. It became my affirmation of like, I'm calling in what I'm ready to attract. And the joke is that Spencer became my Vance Joy, right? Like Vance Joy was the catalyst. He was that like symbol showing me not to settle and that anything is possible, right? Manifesting my dream crush at, crush at the grocery store. And then I met my partner. And actually so many other people, okay, like three, said that they listen to that song when they fall asleep as a like s love spell, an incantation that they're ready to call in the person that they're ready to attract, which is really powerful. And um, yeah, so it's like, what are you ready to call in? And how can you have that same ease and surrender of like, I'm good. I'm doing me. I'm loving me. I'm loving me so much. And my person's out there. And this is my cherished time with myself. And I can't wait for them to see what I've created. And again, this could be your partner. This could be your community, your dream colleagues, like whatever you're calling in with. Um, on the other side of the meditation, I'll give some questions and also some fun little Valentine's Day things that you can do um, for yourself, for your friends, um, to deepen the love spell. So go ahead and find a comfortable seat. We're going to take three deep breaths, as always. Taking a deep breath in, breathing in all of that love for yourself. Open mouth, exhale, letting it wash down your body. Second breath in, breathing it up to the crown of your head. And exhale, feeling it 
wash down your spine and out your toes. And then third and deepest breath in, breathing in your love from your hips to your heart to the crown of your head. And as you exhale, imagine it even going out your head like fairy dust creating this beautiful aura around you. And as you start to breathe into your heart space, bringing all your attention to your heart, just noticing it beating and in your heart space imagining that there's a beautiful dome within your heart where you're standing and you can see your inner child and you're looking at them and they're looking at you with so much love And you're seeing all the times that they were there with you, even when you were scrolling on your phone or in a different relationship or in a situation where you felt not enough. Your inner child was there the whole time trying to get your attention. And just kneeling down to them, letting them know that you have, that they have your full attention and that you love them and that they're already so perfect just as they are, and that you love them so much, and that they are your priority to make them feel loved, to make them feel seen, to make them feel joy. And asking them what they need from you to trust you in this feeling of love. Trusting whatever they say. <sighs> Giving them a hug, and as you hug them, feeling them morph into you, awakening your heart this love, feeling them dissolve into every fiber of your being, feeling the love for your inner child, your present self pulsing throughout your body. Bringing a smile to your lips and as you feel transformed by this love that's always been there, Starting to see in your heart's dome, in this heart space, a beautiful projection screen. where You start to see scenes from this thing that you're ready to attract, whether it be a partner, a friend, a community, a job. Starting to see scenes from that future vision where it's already playing out. As you start to see this scene, staying connected to the feeling, how does it feel to see these things that you're doing in this future vision? 
How are you feeling connected with this partner, this community? How are you showing up for each other? kind of things are you doing that feel expansive that feel like things that you only dreamed of and letting yourself breathe this expansion from your heart out the crown of your head, out your fingertips, down your legs. And as you're watching this scene, noticing the other person or people start to fade away, and just seeing a reflection of that future you, so connected to their worthiness, so connected to their enoughness, Noticing their energy. How they are, how they radiate, how they're magnetic. And then asking that future version of you, how can you start to step into that right now? What is one small step that you can take to start becoming what you're ready to attract? Trusting whatever they say. Thanking them and then reaching your hand to the screen to place your hand on their heart for them to place their hand on yours. And breathing into this. As you breathe into that future version of your heart, your heart, both becoming one and the same, and then within your heart space, starting to feel the love that is already in your life, whether it's with friends or family, seeing those faces flash before your eyes, but feeling them in your heart space. What are the ways those love feelings are already present? Maybe it's your love for your favorite walk or your plants or your pets. Feeling the love that already is. That you're already taking the time to listen to this meditation to show up for yourself. 
And then as you feel your heart expand, thinking of the love that already is, imagine sending it back to all those people and things that have given you love, feeling them receiving, feeling them amplify it, feeling it become even greater as it boomerangs back to you and is amplified again until it lights up the whole world with this love, feeling so magnetic, pulsing with your own medicine. With a deep, deep trust that what you're ready to attract is already on its way. It just felt that love that you sent out right in this very moment. And with that, you relax so deeply knowing that it's already been felt and sent back to you. And it is just a matter of time. Taking a deep breath in, open mouth, exhale, releasing the vision, feeling the love, taking another breath in. And exhale, coming back into this space, opening your eyes. Wow, I felt that love too. I was like, ah, fingers are tingling. I hope you guys felt it. Thank you for co-creating that love with me. And so to sum it up, in becoming what you're ready to attract, you've already taken the first step, like I said, by listening to this podcast, by carving out this time for yourself. When you become what you're ready to attract, you give such a gift to that future partner, that future community, that future, those future colleagues, whoever it might be. You're giving them such a gift because you've already done that work on yourself to show up for yourself as the best you. So you're giving them the best you. And that is the most selfless thing that you can do, actually. And so if you're going into Valentine's Day, I'll give you a little ceremony and a little fun thing that you can do. I would say like, and you can do this alone or with your friends, but like, yeah, lighting some candles. If you have some sage or Palo Santo available, you know, would never say no to that. Setting your ceremonial space, maybe getting a photo of your inner child and another photo of you at your most expressed time in your life where you felt the most joyful and the most love. And starting off by writing a love letter to yourself of how proud you are of yourself, of all the things that you love about yourself, and of how you want to continue to give yourself more love. Like maybe there's an apology in there too. Like after you're like, here's all the ways I love you. Here's all the things that we love about our life. And I'm sorry for ever taking that for granted. I'm sorry if I ever made you feel not enough. And then ending with the vow renewal. Here's how I'm going to show up for you. Here's how I'm going to like really give you my love and show you my love and amplify my love with you. And then once you do that, signing off that letter with that vow renewal of like when we love each other this much, as in you and yourself, um, this is how we can love others even harder. This is how, this is the standard. This is a gold standard for the love we're also ready to, to call in and invite into our life and like signing off that vow renewal. So writing that love letter to yourself, having your little shrine of your inner child photos, and then kind of like making an offering to yourself. Like, what do I commit to give myself? What is my Valentine's Day treat to myself? Um, and how do I commit to stepping into this for myself moving forward and celebrating myself? And then I would, um, yeah, put that love letter 
somewhere where you can read it again and then end it, um, end the ceremony with um, kind of reconnecting to that highest self that we just did in the meditation of what is that next wisdom? What is that next step that I'm going to take from here? And then to amplify it during the ceremony or after, sending messages to people in your life or giving them phone calls that you love or that might need reminders of love on Valentine's Day or Valentine's Week. How can you show up for them and give them that little reminder that you love them, that you're there for them, that you're with them? Because we amplify our love for ourselves too. When we share with gratitude the people in our life um, that have helped us feel love or that we could help them feel loved. Maybe we know that this is a hard time for them and we could send a little extra love their way. So that kind of connection totally amplifies and supercharges it. So I hope you guys like that little Valentine's Day ceremony. Let me know if you end up doing it. And um, the other thing that I was going to say is, yeah, we kind of already went over the journaling questions, but just in short, what is my vision for the type of love that I want? How am I creating situations that do not align with that? What, what would need to change for me to act in alignment with that? Like what shadow side would I need to heal? What patterns would I need to break? Then writing out that ideal scene for you and your, your partner or whatever you're ready to attract and then reverse engineering that. How can I start doing these things for myself right now? Okay, guys. Wow. This was the longest solo episode ever. Congrats for you staying with me. Congrats for me for staying with you. Love you guys. And I'm excited to infuse this month, to use February, to use Valentine's Day, to be the catalyst for more love for ourselves, more love for everybody else. Thank you for listening. And I will see you next week for more powerful stuff. Thank you for listening to the Powerful Stuff Podcasts. We're your hosts, Meredith Baker and Eileen Legiu. We hope that you learn some powerful stuff that you can take away and implement into your own life. And if you do, we would love it if you rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast, Powerful Stuff. And if something deeply resonates with you and you share it on social media, tag us. We would love to hear from you. And we will also see you next week for some more Powerful stuff.